we back with another one. We in oh another one. Another one. Assad, he's the Don. He's the icon. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's he said that in some video to his son, who's like one in the video and not coherent enough to know oh, what any Khaled? of those words mean. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Also, the fact that he has a baby is just lost on me because he appears to be a baby himself. But that's fine. All men are. True. Very true. Somebody, somebody, somebody is yelling hashtag not all men right now, but that's okay. That's fine. The Meninist Reddit, the Meninist subreddit can feel it. Meninist. They, they just know. Meninist. I, I just... Ugh. It's a stupid word. Meninism. I just... It's, Anyway, so that's a, that's a separate crime. Yes, <laughs> true. One <laughs> day we'll talk crime about culture. incels. Yes, it is. Yay! Woo and we're gearing up for our spook season October episodes. This is your last September episode before we launch into a two episode a week month. Yoink! Yeah, we've been prepping hard. I am not ready. <laughs> no. We've Nobody's been prepping since ready. the summer. We're not ready. I don't think we've even been prepping since the summer. I'm pretty sure it's been before that. We may have started recording in the summer. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, nobody else needs to know that. Hashtag podcast magic. Yeah. So what yeah. are we talking about today? So today we are talking about Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. the Ken and Barbie killers, because they were, well... To each their own. Some people think they were very attractive. I think he looks, I, like, not cute. I think I think serial killer isn't cute on anybody. But no. beyond that, he's okay, but Carla's a little bit of a butterface, if you ask me. Um, right. But regardless, regardless, regardless. This was also the 80s, so maybe she's, like, glowed up since then. But still. No, I have recent pictures of her, so... I, I no. saw, like, one, but it was, like, a profile, and I'm just like, mm, But we're not maybe. here to judge. We're just yeah. here to talk about the crimes. I look like shit in pictures, too. So, you know what, Carla? I get it. I don't think it's a reason to kill, but I get it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, we'll jump right in. Um, Paul Kenneth Bernardo was born on August 27th, 1964, in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada, to some tough parents mm. um his dad was a pedophile oh he, well yep apple tree hmm. um so he fondled a little girl and was charged with child molestation in 1975 and he also sexually abused bernardo's sister Ooh. yeah so he's a so paul what i'm gathering here is that bernardo comes from I don't want to say a long line of pieces of shit, but generally oh, speaking, yeah. a line, a line. It runs in the family. It runs in the family being like an asshole. Yeah. His mom, meanwhile, wasn't much better because rather than do something about this, she knew that her husband was abusing her daughter. She knew that he was a pedophile and it made her extremely depressed. So she withdrew from her family's life and basically just lived in the basement of their home without interacting with any of them. That's fucking bullshit yeah like that's no I way get to it. handle something exactly i get it that's awful that your husband's doing this but that's not the way you fucking react no no you get your kid fucking out of there both yeah, of them exactly. but especially your daughter who is currently being a bit like i can't 
like if you don't want to do anything for yourself being abused which it sounds like she wasn't it sounds like he had more of a an inclination to a younger yes age range we'll um, get into it at least like get the kid out of there yeah yeah it's fucked up it is it truly is and clearly it didn't just it wasn't just fucked up for bernardo's sister if he went on to be the person he became well yeah because he witnessed all of this stuff he yeah. saw his mom do nothing he saw his dad wield all this power over someone who was powerless and who trusted in his authority multiple like, people your who child were powerless. yeah yeah so what do you do when your parents are shitty and you're a child and you don't know what the fuck to do light stuff on fire i was gonna say you either kill small animals which is not what he did or you put on this big like shirley temple facade and just be so sweet and so nice and act like nothing is going on even though things are falling apart inside Mm. and that's exactly what he did all right um so in Veteran journalist Nick Prawn's 1996 book, Lethal Marriage, he described a young Paul Bernardo as being, quote, always happy, a young boy who smiled a lot, and he was so cute with his dimpled good looks and sweet smile that many of the mothers just wanted to pinch him on the cheek whenever they saw him. He was the perfect child they all wanted, polite, well-mannered, doing well in school, so sweet in his Boy Scout uniform, end quote. Hmm. However, like I said, this is a facade. So beneath that perfect child, charming little facade, he had some pretty fucked up sexual fantasies. Oh, God. Um, He got off on beating the women he dated and publicly humiliating pretty much any women. Um, And when he was 16, his mom told him that he was actually the product of an affair which yes disgusted him um to the point that he just verbally abused his mother and hated her guts after that so if you're playing killer bingo along with us that's mommy issues right there yeah ding 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 yeah i was gonna say and let us know when you get bingo um don't forget to mark your free part and so bernardo went to sir wilfrid laurier collegiate institute in scarborough and then graduated and enrolled in university of toronto scarborough in 1982. he then began working for amway whose sales culture deeply affected him he began obsessively buying books and tapes of famous motivational like get rich quick and famous like Mm -hmm. public speakers yeah um who does this sound like to you getting into finance penchant for killing women penchant for killing no 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 no. i'm thinking in pop culture i don't know well if anybody is screaming american psycho at home oh yes yeah yeah yeah. for a little bit of extra fucked up you know what book bernardo was fucking obsessed with probably american psycho by what, you got what's it. his name? Brett Easton Ellis or you something? You got it. You got yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, apparently he, quote, read it as his Bible, end quote. Well, it shows. Yep. Maybe a little too much. Mm. Um, 
like and and it's funny that we mentioned that because Christian Bale was also a lady beater. Um, but anyway, mm. this so, isn't his episode. This isn't his episode yet. One day, maybe if he keeps up with his shit. But anyway, so Bernardo and his friends like to try some pickup techniques from some of those like get rich quick guys that do it about dating, like the ones that are like, oh, how not to take no for an answer when a woman is like, get the fuck away from me. Ooh. And you know what I mean? Like those types. Like we were just yeah. talking about meninists. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so as vomitious as this is today, it worked on the chicks that they picked up in bars and it probably helped that he was so good looking and charming. Um, but that included a 17 year old girl by the name of Carla Homolka, who he met in October, 1987 when he was 23. So already that's gross. It's not like, as you get older, like that age, that age difference is not a huge deal, but 17 and 23 is weird. I, but like give that relationship like not that not that specific relationship but like switch that five years oh yeah but like at fast this forward point, it's not yeah. weird but at this point you're in different places in your life like, exactly that's yeah. disg- even if he was like 23 and uh, 22 and she was 18 it would still be pretty weird yeah she'd still like she's in high school she's finishing presumably. high school and he's finishing yeah. college going college. into the world becoming an adult like it's it's weird yeah. it's really weird Um, but nonetheless, it was basically love at first sight. They immediately fell for each other. There was a spark. There was that sexual magnetism between the two of them. And we know Homolka was the girl for him because unlike other girls, she's not like other girls. No, never. She didn't just put up with his sexually sadistic kinks. She encouraged them. Well, I mean... Don't kink shame. If you find someone that's into your shit, that's great. But don't involve other people in your weird shit. I'm sorry. I think I'm going to kink shame if somebody's into, like, spoiler alert, teenage girls. No, that's that's not a kink. That's a... a pedophile. But yeah, that's his that's kink. And beating up women, that's another kink. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. I will kink shame you to filth if those No, but if it was, kinks. like, a foot thing, then have at it but just not with people who aren't interested. Right. No. It's... But yeah. So now we're going to go into the movie magic mode. At around 1 a.m. on May 4th, 1987, Pierre's Mm. birthday, a 21-year-old woman was attacked and raped in front of her parents' house minutes after getting off a bus near her home in Scarborough, a suburb of Toronto. I don't know why I wrote a suburb of Toronto again, but I also was, you'll notice a theme, but yeah, yeah, you'll notice a theme. Also, I'm delirious. Um, But anyway, this was one of a series of 24, oh, fuck, I did it again. I fucked it up. (laughs) We're just going to read it normally. So this was one of a series of up to 24 rapes or attempted rapes of teenage girls and young women over a five year period. Mm. by a man who authorities in the media ultimately referred to as the Scarborough Rapist. Mm. So most of the attacks included verbal abuse, physical abuse, threats about going to the police, and they happened outdoors after the victims would get off a bus late in the evening. But there was at least one instance that is known of in which the perpetrator broke into a victim's home. Okay. And on one occasion, there was an... an, There was a police officer, a Toronto police officer, who actually pursued a man he saw hiding under a tree while he was staking out a bus station 
waiting to like hopefully catch this guy yeah but the person escaped when the officer chased after him on foot and so we don't know if it was paul bernardo we don't know if it was just some weirdo and yeah yeah, it's just a fucking mystery so Mm. obviously though movie magic aside this is our boy paulie he committed a lot of fucking crimes the known crimes that he has committed are that one rape i just described Another one on May 14th, 1987, in which he raped a 19-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' house. Um, On July 17th, 1987, he attempted to rape a young woman, but he... So, here's the thing. He tried to kick her ass. Instead, she kicked his. Which we love. We stan. Um, So then, the next one was in September 29th, 1987, and he attempted again to rape another woman who was only 15. He act- This is the one where he broke into the house and he yeah. went into her room. He allegedly jumped on her back, like covered her mouth, tried. To- he was like, if you scream, if you move, whatever, like I'll stab you with my knife that I have uh-huh. um, to the point that he bruised the side of her face. He also bit her ear. However, Ugh. her mom, this girl has a fucking guardian angel. Her mom just happened to walk into her daughter's bedroom and she screamed and he got the fuck out of there yeah no shit yeah but this one's kind of fucked up because at the time of the crime a 19 year old man named anthony hainmeyer hannah mayer was convicted of the attack in 1989 Mm. and served a 16 month prison sentence even though he was eventually exonerated but only after Bernardo admitted to the crime in 2006. Okay. So Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, Wrongful it's really fucked up. They're horrible. Ruined his life. Yeah. Um but again, so that's one, two, three, four that we know of before he's even met Holoka. Mm, and okay. let's all keep in mind again, he's 23 when he starts doing this that we know of. Yeah. I mean, honestly, He'd be a great fit for Supreme Court. But anyway, um, mm. then the next crime took place on December 16th, 1987, after he met Homoka. Um, he raped a 15-year-old girl, um, and that was the attack that caused the police, the Metropolitan Toronto Police Department, to warn women about traveling at night and be like, okay, like Scarborough rapists, stay away from buses. Yeah. So then on December 23rd, like... A week later, not even, a little bit more, I don't know, math, in 1987, he then raped a 17-year-old girl, um, and he, again, brought a knife, which became, like, his thing, like, he would use it to threaten his victims, Mm -hmm. Um, and that is the attack that made him, that got him the moniker Scarborough Rapist. Okay. He then attacked another girl, um, 17-year-old girl, on April 18th, 1988. He then or rather he tried to attack on may 25th 1988 um that was foiled i i'm gonna assume that that was when that police officer chased him but i don't know okay um may 30th 1988 he raped an 18 year old woman from mississauga which is about 25 miles southwest of scarborough on october 4th my dad's birthday um how old was my dad let's see because he was alive. So he was about 30, 31. Wait, fuck. Is my dad 
No, he's not the same age as Paul Bernardo. Never mind. No, no, no fear. Close in age. Close in age, but not quite. Yeah. Um. He, so he again attempted to rape his victim, and again he kicked her ass. She kicked his right back. Perfect. Um. He did, however, manage to stab her twice: once in her thigh and once in her Oof. ass, which required Ooh. twelve stitches. It said buttock in the thing, but I'm not gonna say fucking buttock and make this girl be humiliated more. Because quite frankly, I know that like you say the word buttock and people giggle, and I don't think she deserves that. Like yeah, she, I don't like that word. she fucking got stabbed and lived and didn't get raped. Like she's yeah, a fucking she got badass. Stabbed by a uh, serial rapist. Yes, and later killer. Like yeah. come the fuck on. She's a she's a fucking she's amazing. So then. The next month, on November 16th, 1988, he raped an 18-year-old woman, and again, this also occurred in her parents' backyard. Um, So, the next one was when he attempted another rape on December 27th, 1988, Um, and again, he got chased off, this time by a neighbor. So, again, that girl was... She had someone watching over her, I'm completely convinced. Yeah, and also... He's got a weird uh, process. Yeah. It's outside? Oh, just fucking wait, honey. Oh. It's so weird. You'll you'll find something weirder in a minute, but but I'll I'll keep to it. Okay. Um he then attempted to rape again in June on June twentieth, nineteen eighty nine. But again, this badass fucking fought back and screamed so loud that the neighbors came. And he fucking ran away like a little bitch and had scratches Mm. all over his face from this fucking badass bitch. I know, I know, I know. Like, oh, I love her. He's a fucking tool. Let's move on. Then the next one occurred on August 15th, 1989. Unfortunately, he did succeed in raping a 22-year-old woman. Um, He also as a little bit different from his previous MOs, stalked her the night before. Mm, Um, He just kind of looked at her in the windows of her apartment, and then the next day he waited for her to come home. Mm. So I'm assuming got a feel for her routine, and then was like, okay, let's do this. Um, And then finally, on November 21st, 1989, he raped a 15-year-old girl that he saw at a bus station. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. It's fucking gross. Yeah, that's horrifying, because I've been a 15-year-old girl standing yeah. at a bus station, so, like... I've also been a 15... And yeah. I'm sure you have, too, and I'm sure many of our listeners have been a 15-year-old girl that has been leered at by much older men. It's yeah. fucking gross. It's fucking gross. Yeah, that's not unique to anybody's experience. Like No. But I'm saying just, if that's how you if that's how that feels like just like I can't imagine what these girls are feeling like it's disgusting. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. Um, but yeah, so the task force is still in full swing. They don't know who he is yet. Meanwhile, on December 24th, 1989. Yeah, they were those fucking they were that couple. They got engaged. Mm. Bernardo and mm-hmm. Hamulka. Um, mm. They were that fucking couple. So. Hamulka's family, which consisted of her parents and her two younger sisters, Lori and Tammy, loved Bernardo. They just Mm. thought he was the greatest guy, even though he was the definition of a sleazebag. He 
first of all, would constantly flirt with Tammy, even though he was fucking engaged to Carla. He yeah. would flirt with Tammy. Um, and unbeknownst to her, like I had mentioned with one of his previous victims, he stalked her. Uh, he would look in her windows and even sneak into the room she shared with Lori at night to jack off to her while she slept. To his fiance's sister. To his fiance's little sister. Ugh. Um, so, yeah, just 100% grade A USDA certified creep. Yeah. Homolka, though, was no better. Um, she would help Bernardo. And this included breaking the windows in her sister's room so he could get in. Because, mm. again, like, we'll get to this. Like, they don't live with them. So he's getting in somehow. Yeah. Um, so then that following year, like I said, he didn't, they didn't live with them. Well, now they do. Moved in with the Hamolkas at their home in St. Catharines, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Bernardo had actually lost his job at an accounting firm. That everybody knows that it's Pricewaterhouse. Um, he didn't tell anybody, though. And okay. instead, he began secretly smuggling cigarettes in order to make money. So then, so he would just go out every day in a suit and be like, all right, I'm going to my job now. I fucking guess. And then Ugh. change into, like, fucking Jenko jeans and a ratty t-shirt. Yeah. Be like, yo, yo, you want a light? Mm. 20 bucks a pop. Um, or however Canadian gangsters talk. I don't know. Do they even <laughs> exist? They're like, they're like a unicorn. They're an enigma. Nothing, like, with the exception of this, there are no bad people in Canada. No. Um, except maybe right now, Justin Trudeau. People aren't too happy with him. But no. um, in July 1990, Bernardo and Homolka took Tammy across the border to get beer for a party. Allegedly, Bernardo later told Homolka, Homolka that they, quote, got drunk and began making out, end quote. Mm. His fiance's teenage sister. Yeah. Anyway... However, according to Bernardo, that did not happen. And what actually happened was that Hamulka drugged Tammy by serving her a spaghetti dinner spiked with Valium that she stole from her work. And after Tammy passed out, Bernardo raped her for about a minute while Carla watched before Tammy started to wake up. So they stopped. Uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. well. That's fucked up. Yeah. To put it mildly it's i i know it's technically not incest or at least not to spoil things further not yet but it's god no it's it's not it's not incest because he's not related to her but it's also yeah it's it's disgusting it's disgusting um so for the rest of that year of 1990 bernardo would give gifts to tammy and her friends which included snacks and sodas with, quote, a film and a few white flecks on the top, end quote. Okay. So he was drugging them. But uh, we don't know how much. We don't know okay. what was going on. Yeah. But that is what we know. Um, so as for the investigation, the authorities had no significant leads until May 1990. When a victim was able to describe the attacker's face. So then they created a digital portrait and they sent it out everywhere, including the media. And they got 16,000 responses, three of which 
said that the guy in the portrait looked like a man from Scarborough named Paul Bernardo. Mm. So the investigators went to Bernardo's home, where he was living at the time, twice to interview him and determined that he probably wasn't a suspect. And on November 20th, after like visiting him multiple times and everything over the course, he had since moved into the Homolka's house. Um, basically, they said to him, hey, look, we know you're not guilty, but we have to take some routine blood, hair and saliva samples for DNA testing, mm-hmm. which, which was it's the early 90s. It's 1990. Super new in Canada. Yeah. Um, the Center of Forensic Sciences or CFS in Toronto at that time only had one qualified scientist and one technician. Oh, wow. Yeah. So during this like search for the rapist when they got those 16,000 responses um the authorities took samples from dozens of men and these were among 50,000 collected as a whole in Canada at that time mm. so can you say backlog yeah yeah and so then on December 23rd 1990 after a Homolka family Christmas party Bernardo and Homolka would drug Tammy again this time with animal tranquilizers Carla stole from her work. Hamulka allegedly wanted to... Now, this is really gross. I don't blame you if you skip the next, like, couple seconds. Yeah. Because allegedly she wanted to, quote, give Tammy's virginity to Bernardo for Christmas, end quote. That is one of the worst sentences said on this podcast in a long time. Yeah. And she wanted to do that because, according to her, he had been disappointed when he learned he wasn't the first guy she slept with. Oh, poor him. Poor Paul. I know. Well, and no, and poor Carla. Poor Carla. Like, oh, your boyfriend doesn't love you enough because you had sex with another man before him. Oh, you poor baby. Yeah, you should definitely have your sister be used as collateral. Yeah, definitely drug your sister. Again. Yeah. So, Homolka and Bernardo gave Tammy a rum and eggnog cocktail, which they laced with sleeping pills. And when Tammy passed out, they undressed her, and Homolka took a rag that was soaked in an anesthetic called halothane. And mm. it's it's kind of like chloroform. Okay. Um, and like you see done with chloroform in movies, she put the rag over Tammy's face Mm. and then they videotaped Tammy's rape in the basement of the house while Mm. Lori and her parents slept upstairs. Oh my God. Yeah. The fucking audacity. So then Homolka not only I alluded to this videotaped her sister's rape, but at times she even participated. Yep. Oh God. Yep. And in the early hours of two, of um, December 24th, I started to say 2003, and I don't know why my notes don't even say 2003, but it wasn't 2003. Just want to put okay. that out there. So in the early hours of December 24th, Tammy, who was still unconscious, began vomiting on herself and ultimately choked on her vomit and stopped breathing. Bernardo and Homolka dressed Tammy and carried her to a bedroom. And then they cleaned up the crime scene, like they mopped, they dusted, they like did everything they could to get rid of any evidence, Uh hid the video and called EMS 
saying that Bernardo had attempted to revive Tammy, but was unable to do so. Fucking mm. assholes. And an ambulance took Tammy to St. Catherine's General Hospital, where she was pronounced dead at only 15 years old. Oh my god. Yeah. Just fucking terrible. So then the Niagara Regional Police questioned Bernardo and Hamilka about Tammy's death, particularly about an unusual burn mark found on Tammy's face. But they accepted Bernardo's explanation that it was a carpet burn from when he dragged Tammy to the bedroom, when in actuality, the burn was caused by the halothane-soaked rag. Oh, Yeah. It they was, didn't have anything to, like, test that. They didn't think to perform an autopsy or anything, because actually, um, it, they were, they looked super guilty, just based on... They moved. They moved her. They they yeah, were cleaning exactly. when the authorities got to the house. Oh my god! Um, but no. So the they determined authorities determined that Tammy's death was caused was an accident caused by choking to death on her own vomit after drinking too much alcohol. Ugh. So not only did they just violate her. They ruined her reputation as being this, like, teen partier who went too hard. Yeah. So, meanwhile, to get even more fucked up, because apparently we can't seem to do any better, Bernardo and Homolka later later videotaped themselves with Homolka wearing Tammy's clothes and pretending to be her. Ugh. Yeah. I hate that. I also hate that. That I'm going to kink shame. Yeah. So then, a month later, in January 1991, Bernardo picked up a young female hitchhiker and brought her back to the Homolka house. Since the Homolka parents had left town and Lori had gone to visit her grandparents in Mississauga during their grieving process after Tammy's funeral. Um, so he raped the hitchhiker in Carla's bedroom before dropping her off on a deserted back street. Mm. And Bernardo and Homolka allegedly referred to her as January Girl. Mm. That's okay. it. The following month, on February 1st, 1991, Bernardo and Homolka moved out of her parents' house and into a rented home in Port Dalhousie, I think, or Dalhousie, I'm not sure, in Ontario, to allow the Homolka family to grieve. Mm. Fucking gross. N- honestly, what it probably was, was they didn't like having to hear about this 24-7. Yeah. Um, But regardless, a few months later, on April 6th, 1991, at around 5.30 a.m., Bernardo abducted a 14-year-old girl who was warming up for... I I couldn't tell if it was warming up for practice or for tryouts for a local rowing team. Okay. Um, But she was doing her thing and then got distracted by a blonde woman that was waving at her from her car. And Bernardo took the opportunity to grab her, drag her into the bushes near the rowing club. And Mm. he sexually assaulted her before forcing her to take off all of her clothes and wait five minutes before leaving, during which he escaped. Mm. Okay. So then on June 7th, 1991, about two months later, Homolka invited a 15-year-old girl who is known as Jane Doe because her identity is protected by law in the trials, which we'll get into a little bit. Okay. Um, she met Jane Doe while she was working at a pet shop two years prior, and she invited her to a girl's night out. 
And after an evening of shopping and going out to dinner and just like having a lot of fun, Homolka gave Jane Doe lots of alcohol laced with halcyon. And mm-hmm. when Jane Doe passed out, she called Bernardo to tell him that she had a surprise wedding gift ready for him. Ugh. Yeah. Um, they then undressed Jane Doe together. And Bernardo videotaped Hamulka raping the girl before he penetrated her vaginally and anally. Mm. The following morning, Jane Doe was vomiting, but she thought it was because she had drunk alcohol for the first time. She had no clue she had been raped. Oh my god. She was then invited back to their house that they were renting that August to, quote, spend the night, end quote. And in Mm. a callback to what happened to Carla's sister Tammy... Jane Doe stopped dr- stopped breathing after she was drugged, and Bernardo began to rape her. Um, mm. Hamolka this time called nine one one instead of Bernardo, but then called back a couple minutes later to say that quote everything is all right. The ambulance was canceled without any follow up, but Jane Doe did survive. That's good. Yeah. Um, but a week after their first attack on Jane Doe, literally a week, June fourteenth, nineteen ninety one. Bernardo capped a, a kidnapped. I don't know what the fuck capped. Um, maybe he is a Canadian gangster. Um, he kidnapped a 14-year-old girl named Leslie Mahaffey from the front yard of her home in Burlington, Ontario, where he was driving around the neighborhood casing the place looking to steal license plates. He saw okay. Mahaffey, who had just come from a friend's wake and was locked out because she had missed her curfew. And he pulled over telling her just casually mentioning that he was there because he was going to rob her neighbors oh well she was one way to meet somebody um you wanted to hear she was fucking unfazed by it and was like okay you got any cigarettes oh my god and that was how he was able to lure her into the car um brought her back to homolka and he raped her along with homolka They also videotaped themselves torturing and sexually abusing Mahaffey while they listened to Bob Marley and David Bowie. Mm. And at one point, Bernardo said to Leslie, quote, you're doing a good job, Leslie, a damn good job. And then later he said, quote, the next two hours are going to determine what I do to you. Right now you're scoring perfect, end quote. Ugh. However. So sketchy. It gets sketchier. Um, This tape was played during the trial. And after that, the assault got worse. Um, Remember, he was like, oh, like, this is this is determining what I do to you next. And right now you're doing a great job. You're thinking that he'll go easy on her. Uh. He did not. Um, Mahaffey was screaming in pain and begging Bernardo to stop. And in the crown description of the scene, he was sodomizing her while her hands were bound with twine. Oh, God. Yeah. They then killed her, allegedly because she later mentioned that her blindfold was slipping, which would have meant she would have been able to identify them. Yeah. Bernardo claimed that, uh, Homolka claimed that Bernardo strangled her, and Bernardo claimed that Homolka gave her a lethal dose of halcyon. So we don't know who killed her. Yeah. They then kept Mahaffey's body in a basement, their basement, for a day. While they had 
dinner with Carla's family. Oh, God. After which they dismembered and disposed of the body. Just over two weeks later, Bernardo and Homolka got married in a lavish ceremony at Niagara-on-the-Lake on June 29th. That same day, fishermen at Lake Gibson, which is south of St. Catharines, discovered a head as well as mm. arms, feet, and legs encased in concrete. Oh, God. The next day, another fisherman found a human torso floating in the water. Oh, yeah. Um, these remains were identified as those of Mahaffey, who had been reported missing by her parents the day after she disappeared on June 15th. Mm. And I also feel really bad because it sounds like they were trying to teach her a lesson. Like, yeah, like she was being punished for, um, yeah, for missing being, her curfew. Yeah. So they're like, okay, then you're going to sleep outside. Like, I can't imagine what they're feeling. Like, yeah, exactly. I truly, I can't, I can't imagine. Um, then, well, the authorities investigated Mahaffey's murder. The Bernardos were on their honeymoon in Hawaii, just living it up. Uh. Um, the police were also unaware of evidence that would link this murder to the, cri- to the crimes of the Scarborough Rapist. They did not yet realize that these things were linked. Mm-hmm. So then, nearly a year later, in April 1992, Niagara Regional Police asked the FBI to help them get a profile of the killer. Um, And this profile said that the killer was a sexual predator who would probably kill again. Mm -hmm. And as we learned with the Andre Chikatilo case and many other cases, profilers are spot-fucking-on, which means that Bernardo did kill again. Yeah. And it was that same month that they gave the profile. So on April 30th, 1992... A female body was found in a ditch along a rural road in the north end of Burlington. The face was beaten and her head was shaved, but an old injury that involved her left pinky finger missing its tip told investigators that it was the body of a 15-year-old girl who had been reported missing on April 16th named Kristen French, who was from St. Catharines, where the Homolkas lived. Okay. So Bernardo and Homolka had kidnapped her. And videotaped themselves raping, torturing, and sodomizing her, and Ooh. forcing her to drink large amounts of alcohol and submit to Bernardo. Mm. And this all occurred over Easter weekend, and she was a good, like, Catholic girl walking yeah. home from her Catholic school. Oh, God. Yeah. And like Mahaffey, French was murdered because she wasn't wearing a blindfold at all, and so she would have been able to identify her captors. Yeah. A shoe that was identified as hers was found in the parking lot of Grace Lutheran Church, which she walked by every day going to and from school. And then a witness later reported seeing a scuffle in that parking lot that the afternoon of the 16th when she went missing. And you don't think to fucking tell anybody? Yeah. But anyway, um, it appeared to the witness that two people were forcing a girl into what appeared to be a cream Chevy Camaro. Police then searched the parking lot to see if there were any clues and to see if, like, anything, like, checked out from this witness's statement. Mm-hmm. And they found a lock of brown hair um, because Kristen French's head had been shaved to prevent her from being identified. Okay. And they also found a torn piece of a map of Scarborough, which Bernardo had, in fact, been using to lure her over to him by pretending to be a lost tourist. Mm, okay. 
They also, the police also began looking everywhere for cream Camaros, which turned out to be a false lead because the Renardo's car was a gold Nissan. Mm. So already, like, we've got two near misses. We are yeah. not near misses. We've got two fucking misses. We've got the Camaro. People are looking for a Camaro when you need a Nissan. The DNA is backed the fuck up because remember, they took the DNA in let me go back and look for the exact date just because i don't want to fuck it up i believe it was 1990 yeah may 1990 Mm -hmm. and here we are in april 1992 yeah so call it two years later like and And there's yeah yeah it could have prevented the death of tammy homolka it could have prevented prevented the death of leslie mahaffey fucking Kristen French like it's just it's very they had it so many times well not so many times twice but still so so many for a a killer yeah so then the police acted on a tip that Bernardo had a penchant for violence and aggressive sex so they interviewed him again on May 12th again they dismissed him as a suspect in the murders because he was so charismatic and so good looking Mm -hmm. the murders were also being called the schoolgirl murders at this time and that's what they're referenced to even today, referenced as. Okay. Um, meanwhile, Mac- Mahaffey's remains were exhumed, and medical examiners found bruises on her back that were similar to blunt force injuries that French had sustained. And finally, the police connected those two murders. Uh-huh. So Niagara Regional Police worked with the Halton Regional Police to establish a special task force to conduct the investigation into the crimes. And on July 21st, they aired a reenactment of French's abduction on live TV, which got them thousands of tips, but no concrete substantial leads. Mm, All right. But on December 12th, 1992, the Center of Forensic Sciences began testing the DNA samples Bernardo had provided over two years prior. Hmm. They finally get to them. So, and honestly, as much as I keep talking about how they're fucking up and we'll talk more about that, like, so many, if anybody has ever seen, like, the Mariska Hargitay documentary, or it's called, um, uh, I Am... I Am Jane Doe? No, 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 no. Maybe it's not I Am? Shit. It's for and the backlog, which is part of her Joyful Heart Foundation. She yeah, she's yeah. been doing so many years of SVU that she had to do something about it, and I don't blame her. Yeah. Um. But fuck, what is it called? I want to say it's called "I Am Innocence," but I know that's not it. Um. And people are yelling and screaming at me right now. All of my fellow Mariska Hargitay fans. It was on. Fans. Um, it was on HBO was on, for a while. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but regardless, one of the things in the documentary that's mentioned is that thousands of rape kits get lost, never found, never tested. Yeah. Because of the backlog. Because we have a fucking hella backlog here. Like, trust me. Um, so as awful as it is that they got to it only over two years, yeah, over two years later, the fact that they got to it at all that's pretty still that's pretty lucky yeah so then on march 29th 1992 while they're still testing the dna 
Bernardo stalked and videotaped two sisters from his car and followed them to their parents' house. The girls recorded his license plate number, but they didn't get the number down right. They noticed him, but they just, yeah. So one of the sisters reported the incident to the police on March 31st, 1992. So two days later, Um, they gave her an incident number to report any further information. And French at that point was still like, or not still, um, French had then been kidnapped, right? Okay. While she was still being held captive in their house, Hamulka watched French on April 18th, 1992, while Bernardo went out to buy dinner and rent a movie. Like, okay. a fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, but he was then spotted by one of the sisters. They recognized him, and they tried to follow him to his house to figure out where he lived to be like hey we got the license plate wrong but this is where he lives yeah we're not letting him go now yeah she lost him but she got a better description of his license plate and the car and was able to report him to the police Mm -hmm. the police lost her information (gasps) no yeah oh my god literally could have saved kristen french's life yeah exactly yeah that's fucked up yeah so then the next year on january 6 1993 homolka was admitted to saint Catherine's general hospital after getting beaten with a flashlight by bernardo Mm -hmm. who was then arrested and charged with assault with a weapon and released on bail Mm. homolka never went back to their home after that incident okay a month later the Center of Forensic Sciences finally was able to get the DNA that Bernardo provided the police with back in May of 1990 and uh-huh. said that it was a match to that of the Scarborough rapist. Yes, so, fucking finally. Yes. So the police immediately put Bernardo under surveillance. They tapped his phones. Um, and then they went to Homolka for information. Uh-huh. She was pretty noncompliant. At first. Um... And then on February 17th, 1993, so over a month later, um, Bernardo was arrested and, like, for the murders of Mahaffey and French and for all uh-huh. of the Scarborough rapes. All right. Yeah, yeet. So Justice. then, yeah. Um, on February 19th, a search warrant was executed in the Bernardo home, the, the one that they rented. Uh-huh. They searched the home for 71 days. Oh, my God. Yeah. During which they found books that were called, quote, of a deviant sexual nature by the Canadian Encyclopedia, as well as a hunting knife, handcuffs, a list of all the Scarborough rape victims. And as if that last one wasn't damning enough, the video yeah. of Bernardo and Homolka engaged in sexual activity with two unidentified young women in which Homolka would later be seen to clearly be a willing participant. This is key. Yeah, yeah. Because meanwhile, the cops are still ho- searching the home. The police at the station are interrogating Homolka. Like I said, she initially refused to cooperate, but ultimately Uh she agreed that she would testify against Bernardo. She consulted with her lawyer who was like, literally, you need to do this. You're a fucking idiot. Um, She was like, I'll testify against Bernardo if 
I'm granted immunity from prosecution. Mm, And the attorney general from Ontario was like, LOL, fucking no. Yeah, because we got you over a barrel here, bitch. Yeah, but he said that he was willing to consider a reduced sentence, and, like, they went back and forth and finally reached an agreement a few months later in May. I don't even know why they need her to testify when they have so much evidence. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, Mm -hmm. So then over the following four days, she told investigators that Bernardo had bragged to her about raping at least 30 women and was responsible for the death of her sister, Tammy. Hamolka described herself as a battered wife who was forced to participate in Bernardo's crimes out of fear of her husband and his abuse. Mm -hmm. She also described how Bernardo had kidnapped Mahaffey from her yard and how Bernardo and she lured French to their car in the church parking lot, proving that it was them. Yeah. She said both of the girls were used as sex slaves before Bernardo strangled them to death. French was also mm-hmm. forced by the couple to watch a this this really this one got me a televised press conference during which her dad made an emotional plea for his daughter's safe return. Oh, yeah. They made her fucking watch. Yeah. So Hamolka admitted to the police that one of their victims had been drugged and was later unaware of the January girl. Yeah. Um and on July 6, 1993, as part of the plea bargain with the prosecutors, Hamulka was convicted of two counts of manslaughter after pleading guilty in and the manslaughter counts were for the Mahaffey and French murders. Okay. So none of the other ones. She was sentenced to 12 years in prison with or two 12-year prison terms, rather. Um, but they were served concurrently. Okay. At the Kingston Prison for Women. Um, her plea and the statement facts agreed to by her lawyer and the Crown, which is like their government, like their judicial system type thing. Uh-huh. Um, they, like I said, we'd talk about this later. Um, so all of that was covered by a publication ban that was issued. Um, the judge ordered it to ensure a fair trial for Bernardo and later on spoiler alert like there would still be some partial bans because this shit is so fucked up yeah authorities also were unaware at the time that the initial search of the bernardo residence had missed a bunch of videos that would have proven to be the most explosive evidence in the case Mm. which we'll get to Mm -hmm. so jury selection for bernardo's trial meanwhile began on may first 1995 with the crown opening its case on may 18th he was charged with two counts of first degree murder two counts of kidnapping two counts of aggravated assault and two counts of forcible confinement and one count of committing an indignity to a human body the trial went on for four months 17 days of which hamulka spent testifying on the witness stand wow yes And that trial began on June 29th, 1995. So now, I said, there was some explosive evidence of which authorities were not aware. Yes? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. So, okay. Back on May 6th, 1993. So, while the jury selection was still going on, but before the trial started. Ken Murray, who was Bernardo's lawyer, 
had retrieved six eight millimeter tapes that had been hidden from above a ceiling light fixture in the upstairs bathroom of the Bernardo home. But he hid them and kept them hidden yeah. for over a year. And when he quit because Bernardo's a fucking head ass on uh-huh. September 22nd, 1994, he handed the tapes over to Bernardo's new lawyer, his successor, John Rosen, Mm-hmm. who later that month, not even right away, turned them over to the police. Wow. So Bernardo, it, it like, it's super fucked. Um, the t- these were the tapes that showed graphically Tammy's rape and torture and also yeah. the rapes of Mahaffey and French. Ugh. And like I had said before, Hamulka appears as an ass- a consenting accomplice to Bernardo yeah. and not at all as a frightened, forced, battered woman. Yeah, exactly. By this time, the case was all over the news and getting the attention of people not just in Canada, but all over North America. So when it came out that these tapes existed, the public was fucking pissed. And mm-hmm. the media and the public in general accused the prosecution of what they what ends up being called making, quote, a deal with the devil which is what they called the deal that they made with Hamulka. Uh-huh. Um, however, the Crown said that despite this new evidence, they had to stand by the agreement. Like, they didn't have a choice. Ugh. So, on September 1st, 1995, Bernardo was found guilty of all nine charges, and on September 15th, he was sentenced to life in prison and was declared a dangerous offender, which means that it would it was basically like... It, like, ruined his reputation in the sense that because he was called that, he it would significantly reduce the chances of him being granted parole. Yeah. Um, it's like a classification, I guess you could call it, kind of. Yeah. So then five years later, in 2000, both the Ontario Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court Canada turned down Bernardo's attempts to appeal his murder convictions because he's a fucking head ass. Yeah, clearly. And in 2006, Bernardo's lawyer said that his client had confessed in 2005 to 10 additional sexual assaults. Oof. One of those was the one of the 19-year-old girl, a 19-year-old boy got convicted of. Um, yeah. He was then sentenced to, or sent to Kingston Penitentiary, but then was moved to the Millhaven Maximum Security Prison in Bath, Ontario in 2013, where he continues to reside today. Mm-hmm. Bernardo became eligible for day parole in 2015 and full parole in February 2018 after having served 25 years in prison for the latter. But surprise, surprise, they fucking denied both his day parole and full parole. Thank God. In October 2018. And this was done a little bit differently. It was done by a panel of the Parole Board of Canada. So kind of okay. like a jury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they denied it after only half an hour of deliberating yeah they were like you want to you want to run that tape again yeah we're not letting this guy out yeah yeah absolutely not um so it's unlikely that he ever will be released because again dangerous offender yeah exactly good fucking riddance to bad trash just fuck off yeah um it is at this point just kind of to lighten things up because this is a heavy one i would like to note that a mrs claus emoji has somehow shown up in my notes Oh, all right then. I don't know why she's here, but something tells me she ain't too happy with Bernardo and he's going to be on Santa's naughty list. Um, That would seem right. Yeah, but I don't know how she got there. (laughs) 
I'm a little confused. I <laughs> don't use the Mrs. Claus emoji. So I don't know how it got here, but Christmas in September, I guess. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, so those tapes that showed the rapes and murders of Bernardo and Homolka's victims were ordered destroyed in December 2001 by an Ontario court after the trial. Or rather, they were destroyed years before, but they were finally destroyed by the Ontario court in okay. December 2001. Um, Murray, Bernardo's lawyer, Ken Murray, was charged with obstruction of justice and possession of child pornography for failing to turn over the Bernardo tapes for over a year. But he was acquitted in 2000. Hmm. Asshole. Um, and then in 1986, to kind of go back a little bit, um, we're doing like a little there. Where are they now? Now. Um, now, yeah. now. So in 1996, a government inquiry into the investigation of Bernardo found that police had made numerous mistakes and that rivalries amongst police departments also harmed the investigation. Apparently, the officers in charge when Bernardo was arrested violated his charter rights by not allowing him to call a lawyer, despite repeated requests by him. Um, All right. Yeah. And that made his eight-hour interrogation inadmissible as evidence. Mm. Also, okay. as the biggest shock of them all, the inquiry also determined that some of Bernardo's crimes might have been prevented if his DNA sample had been processed and matched more quickly. Yeah, exactly. Fucking hate this so then in december i'm uh, in december what the fuck summer 1997 definitely not s- december mrs um, claus yeah mrs claus this is where it comes um so Hamolka was transferred to Joliet institution in quebec when the kingston prison for women was closed she was then transferred again to a maximum security prison in saskatoon on october 9 2000 for a psychiatric examination her lawyer's tried really hard to block this they said her life would be in danger if she was removed from the prison in joliet but no dice all right that following january she was transferred to a to a psychiatric hospital in montreal to undergo treatment and it was there that she served the remainder of her full 12-year sentence after the national parole board said that hamulka must stay in prison for her full term which ended Mm -hmm. on july 5th 2005 However, she was placed under a series of judge-imposed conditions upon her release. They include that she was to tell the police her home address, her work address, and who she lived with. She was to continue therapy and counseling. She was to provide the police with a DNA sample for their database. She had to notify the police as soon as any of her addresses or work, like any jobs or anything like that, roommates, any of it changes. Uh Uh-huh. Um, she also had to notify the police of any changes to her name. It, mm, okay. She was not allowed to contact Bernardo, the Mahaffey French families, or Jane Doe's family. And she was also not to contact any violent criminals. She also had to give 72 hours notice if she wanted to be away from her home for more than 48 hours. Wow. Okay. Yep. And finally, she was forbidden from being with people under the age of 16 and consuming drugs other than prescription medicines. I think lots of that is uh, reasonable. Yeah, I would say so. I might even go that they could have gone harder, but regardless. These conditions were later overturned by another judge. Um, 
her lawyers really fought for it, and it drew tons of criticism, especially from the Mahaffey and French families. Mm-hmm. Hamulka settled in Montreal, where she gave birth to a son in 2007. Um, at one point, she also changed her name to... Oh, shit. Because I, I wasn't going to include this, because it was like... So it was weird, but it wasn't. Because... Okay. So she and Bernardo changed their names during the process of the trials um okay. because carla homolka was being like stalked by the media her employers were being like oh she's over here yeah um he was just like in the middle of this trial and people were coming for him as they should have been but what's yeah. weird is they changed their names at like different times but they changed okay. it to the same last name oh okay so Bernardo at one point went by Paul or yeah, Paul Jason Teal as opposed to Paul Kenneth Bernardo. Mm-hmm. And Homolka went by Leanne Teal as opposed to Carla Leanne Homolka. Okay. Yeah. So that's that. So she changed her name at one point because it was getting bad, but maybe you shouldn't yeah, fucking, she I don't know, rape and murder people. Attention. Yes. It wasn't even like attention. Like people were like come into attack yeah so then she started living on a caribbean island guadalupe with her three kids and her husband theory i think it is t-h-i-e-r-r-y or maybe it's terry okay i don't really know what i do know is that he was the brother of her fucking lawyer well then nothing interesting yep not about it so then in 2012, a Canadian journalist discovered that she was living in Guadalupe and was basically like, hey, you. And she had to return to Quebec because okay. they found her. Yeah. So she had nothing to hide from anymore. Like she, not even that she had nothing to hide from, she couldn't hide anymore. Yeah. So she moved back to Quebec. However, and a lot of people have probably heard about this, it then emerged in 2017 that she was volunteering to help supervise kindergartners at a fucking Seventh Day Adventist school yeah, in I Montreal. Did hear about that. The parents shut that shit down real fucking quick. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's like when we when we talked about in um that's what it made me think of oh i didn't even i didn't even think of sylvia likens i thought of when elizabeth smart's um one of her captors when she moved yeah wanda barzi yeah yep yeah no but uh one of the tortures of sylvia likens uh became a teacher teacher, yeah no worked at a school yeah she became a teacher um yeah so i don't know why the fuck this school didn't do like a background check not even the background check they weren't like what's your name yeah exactly um but per the bbc the seventh day adventist church released a statement announcing that it had changed its policy on volunteers to exclude anyone with a criminal record which i feel like they should have done before yeah why wasn't that in the original rules right um and the statement read quote we have heard and listened to the concerns of parents and members of the community uncomfortable with recent reports in the media end quote yeah i'd be uncomfortable I think uncomfortable is a little bit of it's an it's, understatement. Yeah. Like she's a fucking she didn't she's not just a fucking rapist and murderer. She did it to small children. She did it to and 14 year old girls and her sister. Yes. But I'm saying like to children. 
So what yeah. do we not do? Let them around children. What were the what what was one of the um stipulations when she was granted parole? Don't be around children. And yeah, yeah exactly. it was revoked, but there was a reason why they said it. Yeah. So yeah. Um as I said before, we've mentioned some books. I'm going to mention a couple others. I'm going to gloss over them just because we got a lot of shit to go through for pop culture. Okay. Book number one. Deadly Innocence, released in 1995 and then re-released in 2008 by Scott Burnside and Alan Cairns. So the second book was written in 2006 and it was called Deadly, or no, the other one was Deadly. I can't read. Canadian Crime Investigations, Hunting Down Serial Killers, and that was by Peter Boer, or Boer, B-O-E-R. Mm-hmm. And then the last one we're gonna dive more into, because it's a big fucking deal. Remember that guy, Stephen Williams, that I mentioned before? And I was like, yes. we'll talk about him. So now we're gonna talk about him. Okay. So in 2002, he published a novel about Hamulka, titled Invisible Darkness, the horrifying case of Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. Mm-hmm. 2002, it was published in French and contained excerpts from letters between the author and Homolka. Okay. Questions came up over whether or not the book violated a condition of Homolka's plea bargain, which stated that she would not, quote, talk directly or indirectly to the media for a book or live endeavor, end quote. Okay. So, to me, sounds pretty much like she violated it, but I don't know. Williams, however, claimed that he did not talk to Kamolka about the crime and was like, therefore, it's a moot point. Well, so fucking moot that on May 4th, 2003, again, Pierre's birthday, Williams was arrested and charged with violating Mm -hmm. a court order barring publication of courtroom exhibits used in the Bernardo and Homolka trials, like I had mentioned before, that publication ban. Yep. He had used his website to show a collection of photographs, videotapes, and police interviews from the cases. Oh. Yes. And at one point, I didn't know if this was true or not, he, like, got in trouble for, but they couldn't, like, pin it on him. They basically thought that he somehow snuck into police archives before those videos of the rapes and everything were deleted and, like, watched them. Oh. Yeah. Jeez. Not for, like, a sexual thing, like, as a journalistic thing, but still. And he was like, no, I didn't do it. And, like, I guess they were never able to prove it, but then they eventually got him. Okay. Um, so now into the more fun side of pop culture. One of the episodes of Law & Order, season 10, episode 15, Fools for Love, specifically, um, features a man who's accused of raping his girlfriend's sister and another victim. It was directly based on the story of Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. But, fun fact, the Canadian publication ban was basically like, hey, this episode is similar enough to be considered a publication of the case. So mm. the episode got banned in Canada. Oh, wow. Yes. Furthermore... Law and Order SVU, which we mentioned before, The Mentalist, Inspector Lindley Mysteries, Close to Home, and Criminal Minds all have cases, I mean, all have episodes that are based on the case. And specifically, Criminal Minds, it's season nine, episode 15, titled Mr. and Mrs. Anderson. It not only featured a couple that were very similar to Bernardo and Homolka, but 
also the team directly references the case when they're delivering their profile to the police. Oh, okay. Yeah. No word on whether or not that got banned. <laughs> but yeah. um, furthermore, there was an MSNBC documentary about the case titled Dark Heart, Iron Hand. And then later it was rebroadcast as To Love and To Kill on MSNBC Investigates. And that talks about Bernardo and Homolka and their relationship and the murders and the rapes. Uh-huh. Um, then probably what's most well-known, it's pretty infamous, is... The story of Bernardo and Homolka's relationship and crimes and all of that was turned into a 2006 movie from Homolka's perspective titled Carla. The movie mm-hmm. stars Laura Prepon from Orange is the New Black or That 70s Show, depending on what generation you're from. And, fun fact, um, I learned this. So in That 70s Show, a couple seasons in, Donna randomly goes blonde and they write it into the story. It's because she had to dye her hair blonde for this movie because Carla Homolka was a blonde. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so she played Kamolka, Homolka, and Misha Collins, who everybody knows from Supernatural, played Bernardo. The movie had to be shot in the United States with an American cast and American crew because literally nobody in the Canadian film industry would touch it. No one wanted wow. anything to do with it. Yeah yeah um also stephen williams's book at one point like somebody tried to make it into a movie and like nobody would touch that either so it got shelved and then canceled interesting okay canada is like our canadian listeners if you could no not even terrified there this is like the worst thing one of the worst things to ever happen in canada yeah outside of justin bieber and they just they like it's they hate it and i don't blame them for it but they're very much like we don't speak of it we don't make light of it we don't yeah, they make wanna, money like, erase off of it, it. From their history not no not even no they take it very seriously they're like we don't make money off of it we're like they're saying basically like this was a tragedy they'd be like yeah it is i was what's awful is i was gonna say it would be like making a movie about 9-11 but many movies have been made about 9-11 so if you're wondering the differences between america and canada that would be one yeah but yeah this was just a massive tragedy um so they shot everything american and then in march 2005 ontario premier dalton mcginty called for or it might have been premier i don't know i'm not good with those um i'm good with most homophones when we get into, like, political versus not political, that's where you lose me. Um, but Dalton McGinty called for a boycott of the film. He said, quote, I certainly will not be giving that movie and my adv- viewing that movie and my advice and encouragement to Ontarians is that they would do the same, end quote. It's an unfortunate, he also said, quote, it's an unfortunate development for people to choose to capitalize on a terrible and horrific tragedy, end quote. Mm-hmm. So when the movie did open, like I said, in 2006, it was only shown in 100 theaters across Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Ontario Film Review Board gave the movie a restrictive 18A rating. And Chum Limited, or CHUM Limited, and Alliance Atlantis pulled the advertising for the movie from their TV stations. Yeah, I'm, I'm even surprised it was in 100 theaters with how... Uh tight they are with um depictions of this case yeah yeah um and according to imdb 
since the film's release, Misha Collins has said that he regrets being a part of it. Um, that probably also not just, and I'm not saying this isn't like, oh, this is why he feels bad because blah, blah, blah. Like, I think that part of it is he saw how badly Canada was affected firsthand when, because Supernatural is shot in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, but also he said that he had spoke spoken on the phone with one of the victims of Bernardo who managed to escape. And mm. he said... Yeah, that has to be really rough. Yeah. He said that he was unaware of how infamous the case was and the strong emotions that surround the case in Canada. Yeah. And now um, he... Anybody who brings it up, he frequently tells people, he's like, don't watch the movie. And it, it comes up a lot, I guess, at cons. So yeah. he'll, he's always like, don't ask, don't ask about the movie. Don't watch the movie. Do not watch it. It's disrespectful. Yeah. However, some fans have asked him to sign their DVDs of the movie. Mm. As for the movie, it has a 5.5 out of 10 score on IMDb, a 77% Google score, and a 30% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. It does not have a critical score. Okay. Because it was, like, not fucking released anywhere. And yeah. they wouldn't fucking talk about it. Also, one of the murders that occurred in Port Dalhousie, that's the hometown of Rush's drummer, Neil Pert. Oh, okay. Pert wrote the song Nobody's Hero for Rush's 1993 album Counterparts, which references the murder. Some of the lyrics oh. actually read, I didn't know the girl, but I knew her family. All their lives were shattered in a nightmare of brutality. They try to carry on, try to bear the agony, try to hold some faith in the goodness of humanity. Wow. Yeah. This is a rough one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the story of the Canon Barbie killers, Carla Homolka and... Paul Bernardo. I I feel like I knew the names. I don't know why I didn't know they weren't they were from Canada. I don't know why I thought they were from the US, like Midwest oh, okay. somewhere. Um, but I also didn't know how extensive. Brutal. See, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that there were that many people. Like I knew of the schoolgirl murders and I knew of her sister. And that was yes. it. I did yeah. not know that there was so much more involved. Yeah. Like this was basically I think it, I think you and people can correct me if I'm wrong. I think this would be akin to the Golden State Killer here in the US as far as like except he just got caught now and Bernardo got caught soon after, not soon enough, but still soon after he committed his crimes. Yeah. Um but still there were so many times where he, yeah. he should have been caught. Yeah. There lots of dropping the ball. Lots of dropping the ball. Yeah. Um, and just falling through the cracks. Yes, and yes. Just, just barely narrowing, narrowly getting out. Like, yeah, just fucking awful. Honestly, this one was a tough one. Yeah. Whoo. Okay. All right. Shake we're it all out, everybody. For spooky season. Yeah, we're all depressed for spooky season now. Um, all right. All right. If if it's any consolation, like Paul Bernard is in prison. He's yeah. he's rotten in jail. He gets to sit and think about what he did every day. Yeah. Yeah, he can get fucked. But uh Carla Homolka's still out there. Yeah, but she's not around she God help her if she goes near another kid. Yeah. 
I people might go Ramirez on her ass. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't blame him. I I, I wouldn't blame him. Yeah. Um, we're gonna post on the website, like I have a bunch of the books about this case and um uh the song that you mentioned. Yes. And all the resources that you used uh when researching the case. So we'll post all of that on the website along with a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, and uh I need to stop saying that. <laughs> there'll be a bunch of stuff on all the social media as well. That's yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram everything um you can join our patreon yes you can and I suggest you do because it's a fun time and somebody was saying like they're like hey i need a little bit more money and then i'm gonna contribute first of all anybody who even if you can't contribute but you wish you could we see that we understand and we love you for it and we're extremely yes. thankful um on top and of we that we do have we do have a, a dollar tier yes that's and what you I was also going don't to have say. to commit yeah, you don't have to commit to, like, doing it for a year or uh, six months or anything. You can do a one-time right. donation. You can do $1. whatever the fuck you want, honestly. Yeah. Like, the fact that people are even listening, the fact that people even care. Yes. That means and the this world. And um, this is the last week, the last couple days yes. of our September promo. <laughs> Speaking of caring. <laughs> Yes, if you want to leave a five-star rating and review, screenshot that, and then um, DM us on some social media, or you can email us at crimeculturepod at gmail.com, yep. um, and send us that screenshot with your full name and mailing address, and we will send you a pin. Get fucking pinned! It's pinning yes. season, fuck cuffing season. And that's only until the end of September. So yes. you only have a couple more days to do that. October 1st, Pacific Standard Time. That's your deadline. Yep. And obviously, I should say, obviously, if you wrote the review on September 30th, it does take, some people have asked, 24 hours most of the time for reviews to post. Also, shout out to our boo, Nicole, who yes. said that we're not afraid to say fuck on air. We do say the fuck word. However, don't you can't put that in your I review love you, Nicole. because it won't I'm going to make her yeah, I'm going to make her an example <laughs> because we learned the hard way that if you swear in an iTunes review, it doesn't get posted. Yeah. So, so don't use use the fuck word in your daily life. Use it on your own podcast, just don't use it in reviews. <laughs> yeah. We, that is we what we feel learned. we feel the enthusiasm. Yes, but, we uh, believe me. We do feel the enthusiasm. Somebody else referenced um, the podcasts singing the songs of their people, and I was like, "Yes, yes." Also, <laughs> perfect to all the people who have been saying um, that they found us via Podcoin. Oh, <laughs> R.I.P. Podcoin. Mm. If you're listening to this right now, you've probably figured out Podcoin shut down today. They announced a week ago today that they were shutting yep. down, and they wasted no time. They're, yeah. they're done though. I hope you redeemed it was such a your good money thought. in advance. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good it was thought. A great it idea. was fun while it lasted, but no more Podcoin. R.I.P. Podcoin. Pour one out for Podcoin, everybody. Yeah. If you're listening to us on um, a different platform that is not listed in our link tree, send us a link to um, to that. 
so that we can post it in our link tree so other people can find us there too. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. I was going to say, do we have anything else? housekeeping for today. I know. I think that's everything. Yeah. So, um, we're going to see you next Tuesday and Thursday. Yes. So get ready for fun times. Spooktober. Woo. Woo woo. I didn't, right, I, don't, I wasn't trying listening. to one up you. All right. We love you. Thank you very Bye. much. Bye. Bye.